Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 12th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Don Flowers, visiting pastor from Providence Baptist Church in Charleston, South Carolina. His sermon today is entitled, Being Community in a Divisive World. Invite you sometime on a sunny spring day to go to a graduation ceremony at a seminary or divinity school. Go up to any graduate in between the pictures and the hugs and the well wishes. Ask them, so what is it that you expect to discover in the church you are heading to? My guess is the answers would not be unlike what you would get from people when you ask them to describe their dream church. A church where everyone is loved. A church where everyone is welcomed. A church where the needs of individuals are met. A church, a church where people come to know the depth of life. A church where the worship is moving and the preaching is great. A church where people meet Jesus. A church where the bills are all paid. There's always one realist. But soon after arriving, most of these young ministers will be hit in the face by reality. It's not all sweetness and harmony. There are conflicts in in paradise. And the causes? The preschool used our glue last week. Who, Who thought it was a good idea to rent a bus to send our kids to camp? I think we need to cut the education budget so we can give more to missions or vice versa. We've been in this Sunday school classroom for 50 years. I don't know why we need to move now. What does our pastor do on her day off anyway? (laughs) Does it sound familiar? I mean, not here, I know, but what you've heard of churches across town. You see, the reality is that churches, large and small, deal with conflict. They come around budget time with personnel and theology and worship style and the decor of the sanctuary and classrooms. And it's not just the church, it's the church, the whole big church. Denominations are breaking apart over disagreements about missions and women and sexuality and budgets. Throw in the larger world of politics and race and immigration and poverty and education and, 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 and. At times you understand why we just want to throw up our hands and scream, hey, can't we just get along? Given the level of discord, we can understand why the fastest growing religious group in our country are the nuns, N-O-N-E-S those who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. See, we, but even now we dream, we dream of a time when the church was like our dreams, the, the way Jesus wanted it to be. But it was never that way. See, we dream it will be like that hymn we sang, the church's one foundation. It's Jesus Christ our Lord, We are God's new creation by water and the word. One foundation. 
We're all united, one in the Spirit, one in the Lord. Sorry, that's a different song. But I noticed this morning in your hymnal, the third verse of this hymn is left out. The third verse of this hymn reads, Though with a scornful wonder, the world sees us oppressed, by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. That's more true. The church with one foundation. We are rent asunder and distressed by heresies. It is so now and it has always been. There was never a conflict-free church. At least not after the second member joined. Divisions happened. They happened in Corinth for the, same, for the same reasons we face today. It would have been, it would be easier if the, if the issue was, if the dissent was organized, but it is legion. It is all over the place. There are so many issues just like today. And, and the conflict seemed to have caught Paul off guard. Seems he had planned to write a sweet, happy letter to his church at Corinth. He starts off, Dear Corinthian church, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Jesus Christ. I give my thanks to God always, he said. What a strong and encouraging statement. And it sets the tone for what Paul wants to write to this church in Corinth. But he never got a chance to. Perhaps he had just written out those words. Remember back in that day, there wasn't a backspace delete button. And papyrus doesn't, just doesn't grow on trees. Well, it sort of does. But he had just written these words when Chloe's people arrived with some questions from a letter that he had previously written to them asking for some clarification, and then he got the word on what was really going on in Corinth. And when he hears it, well, suddenly the tone of the letter changes. He can't write love and kisses anymore. There are conflicts that have to be addressed. See, Paul had started this church, and he had nurtured it but the time came where he had to go somewhere else. There were other mission fields that he had to visit. And though he loved the church, there were other congregations to start, other ministries to birth. But the church wasn't left alone. There were others who came to be with them. Evangelists and missionaries who were passing through, sharing their wisdom, their theology, their gifts, their ideas. And, and just like today, some of them had more appeal than others. And that's what was happening in Corinth. Since Paul's departure, there had been a series of preachers who had come through. The foremost of them was Apollos. According to Acts, Apollos was a learned Jew from Alexandria who taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. He was an eloquent passionate speaker and he helped those who through grace had become believers Acts says and he had an audience because they admired the way he spoke and the way he presented the gospel but, but there were other people too 
There were the back-to-basic folks who wanted to go all the way back to the original apostles. There was a, a Cephas following in the church. There's no evidence that Peter had ever been to Corinth. But some, perhaps someone had been on a vacation. They'd gone to Jerusalem and they had heard Peter preach. And God, if we could just get a preacher like Peter, we'd be good. But even that wasn't some good enough for some of the ones in the church. They wanted to go all the way back to the beginning. They wanted to be Jesus people. They weren't interested in this newfangled religion, this new theology. If it had been good enough for Jesus, it was good enough for me. You have to wonder, how many factions were there in Corinth? All these people, all these groups, and they all knew. They all knew they were right. It would be easy just to see this as the original church fight. But, but that would be missing out on the deeper issues going on, the theological issues being played out. See, Paul was writing to a congregation in a particular context with a history and a philosophy that weren't Christian. They were trying to figure out how their faith fit into the way the world was thinking. One of the ways the world was thinking that day was the celebration of wisdom, not the making A's in your report card, but the preference for Sophia, the, the goddess of wisdom. <clears throat> this Greek wisdom philosophy put an emphasis on rhetoric, on sounding good, being able to argue a position in a way that was convincing to others. And apparently that's what Apollos was doing. And so they were arguing over some of the stuff that he was saying and how he was saying it. Others were arguing about baptism. The old joke, which really isn't that much of a joke, is that of ministers getting together, and the first question they'll always ask is, well, how many baptisms you had the previous year? Talk about alternative facts. Um, it was almost a badge of honor then and even now. The same thing was true in the early church. Apollos apparently had baptized many, and so they were discounting the work of Paul. It's easy to read Paul's in, in Corinthians as being defensive. And in some ways he is. But he also points out that there's an important question going on here about meaning, about how it fits. What is the meaning of baptism? Is it a gateway to, into membership? Is it a hoop one has to jump through in order to be Christian? Is it just an initiation rite? Is one method more Christian than another? I know we have members who have refused to join a church because they were once told they had to be baptized again in a different way. It's always easy to focus on the presenting problems rather than on the deeper issues. It's easier to fight about the way we baptize and the struggle with the meaning behind it. It's easier to fight about how we do communion than what the table really means. But we try to avoid those. Because meaning questions, asking those meaning questions force us to go into areas of theology and philosophy and meaning and what's really going on in us those are much tougher to wrestle with because they can't be resolved in a 20-minute sermon or a 30-minute Bible study. 
The disconcerting truth is that in our world, in our philosophical system, we have come to prefer soundbite, bumper sticker theology. That kind of theology works better for our elevator speech, works better around the water coolers. It's so much easier for a Twitter world. But if we get beyond 140 characters and we deal with the meanings and our experiences, we'll find out that we are different. Many times we just choose to ignore those differences, especially because we read earlier in Paul's letter where he calls on everyone to be in agreement, to have no division, to be united. We usually read those. We normally interpret that as being that we are all cut out of the same pattern. We have no differences. We think the same way. But it's interesting that the word that is used here is the same one Mark used when Jesus called his disciples, called James and John while they were mending their nets. Mending the nets, that's the same word. And it didn't mean they all had to be the same. Mending didn't make the holes disappear. The mending made sure they all held together. That's the question Paul is asking the people of Corinth and the people of Park Road. What holds us together? Is it the pastor? The way we do worship? Our Wednesday night supper? Our missions in Cuba? What? It's an important question for us to ask. What is it that holds us? But it is just as important, just as important to ask what holes are acceptable. Does everybody have to be the same, do the same, believe the same, vote the same? Where are the holes acceptable? Are our holes acceptable? It was a Wednesday evening many years ago. Our daughters were very young. Anita was at choir practice, and so it was my job to take them home and put them to bed. I was putting Savannah, our youngest, to bed when it came time to say prayers. At that time, she was in mission friends being taught by one of our good friends, Cindy, who theologically is much more conservative than I am but also has an amazing prayer life. Whenever she offers a prayer in church, I am just amazed. Our daughters have often called me to say, could you get Miss Cindy to pray about this? Not me, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> but as they say, God pays more attention to her prayers than God does yours, Dad. But that night, as Savannah began her prayers, what struck me was that she was praying like Cindy. I couldn't teach her that. I don't have that. I, there's no way I needed the help around that hole. 
Several months later, though, we were coming back from university. I was driving the van, and Cindy's daughter was sitting in the front seat talking to me, mainly to keep me awake, but also to talk. And as we were driving down the road, in the middle of the conversation, I realized I'm having a conversation with Cindy's daughter that Cindy couldn't have. She needed me. We needed each other. We need each other. We need each other to mend the nets, to make sure the holes in us stay together. We need each other to keep us from idolatry from believing the heresy that suddenly we have God captured, all figured out. We need people with different perspectives, different views, different gifts. We need each other. But it only happens, that coming together, that mending, that staying together, it only happens when we're willing to be servants to each other. Paul and Apollos were both servants he said. The word that he uses, diakonos, deacon. See, that's what we are called to be. You who are being installed and ordained today, Russ, Amy, you, me. It's not about privilege and power. It's about being a servant about listening and learning from each other, looking to the ways that we might mend the holes in our world, in our lives, in our souls, finding ways that we might work together to build God's kingdom. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.